that. Here we go. Okay. This is recording. Do you guys have a theme song yet? <laughs> we no? still do. We did last time too. <laughs> oh, that's right. You have one. That's we put we put it in in post. I don't know if Zach can, can you still play? Can you play through Zach? Can you play the, the song while we so that we hear it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will sing it for you guys though. Are we all synced up? Yeah, so professional. I know it's it's all the little tricks of the trade that we picked up over two hundred and seventeen <laughs> episodes of podcasting. Good lord, it's <laughs> been two hundred and seventeen episodes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing! Congratulations. We are now here, ladies and here friends. We are born to be kings. Game of Owns. What what brought on the Game of Owns uh, nickname? Ooh, I'll ask you the questions. Oh, that would be great. Just interview us. That would that would be I'm really awesome. This is reverse yeah, psychology. Is that you. it? Yeah. Well, what's your favorite Brian Cogman pen line? <laughs> uh, actually, Brian, I was going to save this for later in the show, uh, but I actually, I actually have the answer to that oh, question. Boy. If you'd like oh. to know, answer it, Eric. We're at the beginning Please. of the episode. Let's People want to know. All right, all right. Here it is. Um, hooks. You can't <laughs> trick me. Tell him you couldn't trick me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There that was, you go. That's a good one. That's. Uh, I like that. I like. I like you. I like that you like that one. Yeah, actually. that's well. I I like the end, and people know that. But without yeah. further ado, well, I think actually. Yes. But hold on a second, Brian. Have <laughs> Have you seen our Facebook cover photo? Oh God, no. I don't. I don't no. We need to get you a link just for one second. Uh, uh, we can pause here and and show this. I'm to so you. embarrassed. Oh, okay, here we go. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> Wait, where where did you do that? What is that? There's silence. I don't know why there's silence, but there's silence. Where did you take this? What is this? Where did you This was uh this was just two weekends ago at uh, C2E2. It was a Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo. Oh, that's funny. The trick or the Easter egg in that is that I'm wearing a hoodie that says Navy and the Ironborn are of course seafaring. Oh uh, yes, yes. It looks like <laughs> a school photo. Like it looks like That's what I said. <laughs> you know, it looks like a yearbook like, you know, it's the it's the chess club. They pose together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very, very very good. Yes, Alfie's is, Alfie's a is sweetheart. <laughs> Oh, I was gonna say you would have to be to to you you put him through all the stuff that he goes through in this show. Yeah, I mean, we you know we pay him too. So. Oh, okay, yeah, there's that. That there's helps, that. but no, he's he he has been an amazing sport. I mean, there's a lot of actors are. This is a news flash to many of you and your listeners, but a lot of actors are very vain, and uh, <laughs> and I really I don't think I think a lot of actors wouldn't put themselves kind of through the sort of physical and. <laughs> emotional anguish that that Alfie has had to over these past couple seasons so I'm really very proud of him I think he's he he brings it it brings a thousand percent to all those scenes Brian do you ever have a situation where an actor reads a script that you've written and just like slowly looks up at you it's like damn it Cogman (laughs) well I'm not present while they're reading it for the first time generally so I can imagine them no I mean I I think our 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 cast is I think they're genuinely excited for each for each new script because the show we, we like to think is is never the same show twice. So I, I think they they enjoy being pushed and having their storylines changed up and their characters arcs you know fluctuate so wildly. So uh, you know I, I think I think they they generally respond positively <laughs> to what we to what we ask of them. Thank God. I know you've spent the past few days talking vigorously about this most recent episode that aired on Sunday evening that you did have uh, full control and responsibility of writing mm-hmm. in some stretch yeah, of the imagination. How was it? <laughs> well, I didn't have full control. I never do. But, um, <laughs> let's make that very Everything clear. Was your decision. Yeah. Every single every, thing. Yeah, exactly. Every, you played every everything. role, as I remember. I played every also, role. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. All, you, know, you were a great dog. When you bit the cage, I was like, yeah. damn, that's vicious. Definitely. That's very that's, intense. You were a very, very sexy training. 
I, I just want to put that well, in. Well, you know, Great, I, Cersei. Uh, I'm, I'm a chameleon. <laughs> I'm thrilled with the response that, that, that the episode has, has, has gotten. You know, I mean, it, it was always a, it was always going to be a big one. And, you know, it, we've been doing this now for, I mean, I'm about to go back for uh, my sixth summer in a row doing this show. If you, nice. if you think it's like camp. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause it counting the pilot. It must the be rough, pilot. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little rough. We've had two little kids in the time that we've shot the show. So it's, it's move, move, moving every year for half the year is, is not easy, but it's of course, you know, the, the greatest job in the world. But yeah, I, we've been, you know, we've been doing this for so long and wanting to get to some of these scenes, you know, for since the beginning. So, uh, uh, and and season four is, is is chock full of those those major sequences that we've just been that we've that we've been teasing and teeing up and laying the groundwork for you know laying the track for you know the entire time. So the trial is certainly one of those, and 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 then and the I'm I'm guilty of being a dwarf speech is of course was another one that we've been just building up to forever, and and so to finally to finally uh, finally get to do that and share that with the book readers who've been wanting to see how we interpret it, and of course the the newbies. Uh, it's 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 really been a thrill, and and it was you know, a great honor to get to adapt it. Right. Well, uh, we last spoke to you about a year ago, almost exactly, um, and you had hinted. Actually, you told us outright that you were doing two episodes uh, this season, and of course, you you couldn't say where they were or which what they were. But but now we now know. you know now, now you know. know. Yeah, th- th- at this point, we're you know we're right. Yeah, this is when we're we're back in LA and we're writing the new season, and you're catching me right at the time where I'm just freaking out about everything and. You know, convinced that it's the worst thing I've ever written and all that stuff. But that's part of the process. So you're writing four episodes next season, right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> just two. Just two. Okay, back with the two. Well, I, I think both two. of your both of your episodes have been standout episodes. And I have to oh, say, thanks. if I'm if I'm guilty of one thing here that will upset you, I think I have to say episode four is still my favorite. So it's one of yours. It's the, but it's not the most recent one. I love episode four, something wicked. It doesn't upset me at all. I'm very fond of episode four. I'm I'm gonna I'll go on record saying that um i know that all of us i think are to some extent fans of the books and i know that there's been some mixed feedback from from fans of the books but as a diehard fan of this series for i don't even know how many years at this point i absolutely respect the changes that have been made and i think they've made for a better show and frankly i think oh, the well, silent majority feels the same way well thanks we'll, we'll see how you feel as the as the, as the season goes on oh, Ooh, oh look no at that. that's look ominous at that. look what i just did look what i just did no thank you i mean it's 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 a very tricky thing you want to you know, you want to make the decisions that are best for the show and for telling the story uh for for this medium and and as it, as the series goes on and as the books get bigger and uh, the canvas, you know, grows larger. You sort of have to make tougher decisions and, and, uh, adjustments. So it's, it's been, it's been a challenge and, you know, I, I appreciate all the feedback as long as it's nice, which for the most part, it's been, it's been really respectful, even, even the negative. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it was a tricky, you know, Oathkeeper was, um, whereas Laws of Gods and Men was a pretty clear episode in terms of adaptation. I mean, even the new stuff, it was sort of, uh, kind of, uh, cleanly laid out when we outlined it, but Oathkeeper was a tricky episode in that it had a lot of plot lines to service and a lot of information that we had, had to dole out. And so it was, it was probably a harder script to write than, than six. Is it the case that when you invent these new situations, these new scenarios, is that something that George has to sign off on? What's that process like? Well, he, he, you know, he receives, I mean, he's not in the writer's room um, with us when we break the season, but he, 
you know, looks at the outline when we're done and gives his feedback and we go back and forth and we have a healthy, you know, communication with him when we're planning out the season. But, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, the seeds were laid out even earlier. I mean, we, you know, we had an idea for the, that we were going to follow the, the mutineers, uh, last year when we cast Bern Gorman as Carl. So, oh. you know, it's, it's, you know, these, these things sort of take root at various times while we're, while we're shooting and writing. But, uh, you know, it's a tricky thing to, to do, but you have to remember all of these sequences and new, you know, these new scenes are still rooted in clues from the books or events from books or even, you know, little nuggets of something that George might give us in the books. I mean, mm. the mutineers, mm-hmm. when they attack, uh, when they kill Mormont in the books, you get an idea of the subjugation of Craster's wives even in that scene, which we didn't include in the scene, in that particular scene when we shot it. Right. Um, but it's certainly what inspired the the kind of... A nightmare scenario that the wives found themselves in uh in four which uh you know was in terms of difficult scenes to write and to shoot that was certainly one of them that wasn't a that wasn't a fun experience right. that was pure chaos in craster's keep it was and it was even it was even worse uh you know robert mclaughlin the dp has alluded to this but i mean believe it or not we really cut back on what we actually shot <laughs> um <laughs> it was a lot worse <laughs> they, oh so this I, is this is is this the episode that the violence was dialed back or is that this... is this, yes that's the oh, scene okay. where, that he's talking about wow. um yeah you know we what we shot was even more awful <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah uh, and i think wisely was, was was scaled back a bit in the edit and focused mainly on on the principal players and, and, and you got an idea of what was going on but there was there was kind of a big establishing shot of the real kind of horror that was happening at the keep uh, before Carl started his monologue at the skull I'm a fucking legend yeah 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 exactly which Everyone I, I knows me I'm, yeah I'm a fucking legend in Janali so did this allow you then so the opportunity good. to sneak in that you know snippet at the end there uh, which really kind of threw everybody uh, for oh, a loop. Oh, uh, the, white, the, the White Walkers. The Walkers. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, what was that like to 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 get that information? Is it is it something that George himself provided you with, and then you kind of took it from there, or you know, how did that all fit in? And and was your mind blown a little bit um, finally getting to get a little bit more insight into? really a a people, I don't know if you call them a people, or just kind of an area that we don't necessarily see as much of in the books. I I can't really discuss the the big picture of it all because it it affects the future. So uh, I will say I think the placement of it was deliberate in that, you know, we're we're in season four of the show. We've been teasing the walkers and the looming threat uh, and the return of the long night since really the first scene of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a storytelling standpoint in terms of television, I think you need to keep all those balls in the air and give the audience something new, you know, uh, or, or, or reveal something a little more, uh, about this, uh, these, these beings, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that I think is what dictated kind of the placement in terms of the overall arc of the story. I certainly was blown away when I finally saw it cut together because it was shot, you know, it was shot in a field in Northern Ireland with green screen. I mean, that entire section was just an amazing uh, piece of work from our visual effects department. Um, and of course the Walker costumes are, are not visual effects. Those are, those are costumes, you know, those are mod- 
bodysuits and prosthetics. And... That was you, wasn't it? Oh, uh, if, if only. <laughs> that, that I was should have gotten a cooler cameo. <laughs> I am. I cameoed this season. I'm the waiter in Dragonstone, but you can you can barely tell. <laughs> oh no and way! It was such a, oh yeah, That's it was awesome. so lame. It was lame. I I, I should have held out. I, I should have been one of the guys that drilled Dantos with the crossbows. I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because that would have been so much cooler. They should have CG'd your face on the baby. So much cooler. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, anything's possible. (laughs) Thankfully, my cameo was so unnoticed that I could probably do another one and it won't really screw up. We won't, we won't tell anybody. Well, you know, we have, we've had, we have the same guy playing Martin Lannister and Tommen, so I can play two cameos. (laughs) Should we go to that question that we had that was kind of centric to what we just mentioned there? This is from a user on uh, Winter is Coming. The user is named Lim D for Brian. There were a few notable recastings this season, Dario, Tom, and the Mountain. Since making the world of the show as real as possible is so important, how do you handle bringing in new faces in old roles? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, the main, re- the, the, the main way we handle it is to just not comment on it and just bring them on. You know, uh, I mean, in the case of Tommen, I can speak to that a little bit. I mean, we knew that starting with this season, Tommen was going to be a you know major character mm-hmm. with a lot of dramatic weight on, on him. And we, Callum, who played him beforehand, and is uh, was terrific, but um, we needed someone who I think was more of an experienced, you know, actor. Uh, and also, we had we knew we, we needed to age him up a bit to mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. out the dynamics that you've uh, we've already seen with him and Marjorie and Sir Pounce and, and of course Sir Pounce. So that was yeah. <laughs> that was the thinking behind that. And then uh, Dean had been so terrific in the tiny roles, the Lannister hostage last season. That the guys just thought, well, let's just offer it to him because he's, <laughs> he's a really, he's a terrific actor. I mean, he's just uh, got amazing instincts and, and, and works, you know, I mean, blended seamlessly with our existing cast. So, mm-hmm. so that was the reasoning with Tommen. Uh, you know, Daria on the Mountain, it's not really appropriate for me to talk about because it's, you know, behind the scenes production stuff and you know um but you know again the 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 mandate was just you know this is the new dario and it happens it's funny it happens a lot more on british shows it's it 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 throws people less there than it does in america i'm not sure i think it's just more common to have a new face uh playing the same role on some uk shows but you know, I'm very happy. I think I think uh, Mikael's doing a great job as Dario, and and I think everyone will be very happy with uh, with the third mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say the scene with uh, the scene with Tom and Marjorie is probably my favorite from that episode, and there were a lot. That oh, whole, thanks. I I love that scene. Yeah, it's great because it's really like innocent. Like I think Marjorie treats it with the appropriate level of respect, and she's mm. there to obviously you know. Um, She's there for a purpose, and the purpose is is served really well. But at the same time, she realizes that he's still very young um, and innocent. I think the kiss on the forehead really sealed that for me. Um, and then, of course, Sir Pounce. Yeah, she, you know, Marjorie is uh, very good at reading a situation and reading people and, and knowing exactly what uh, buttons she needs to push and what levels she needs to play. And uh, and Natalie is the same as an actor. I, you know, she's just got incredible instincts and and and. Uh, she really just nailed nailed that scene tonally. I mean, I remember when I was presented with writing it, I thought, oh god, how am I gonna, <laughs> you know, how am I, how am I gonna write this scene? Right. Um, and actually, Sir Pounce was a lovely little uh, 
solution to a, I hear a lot of problems. Was very smooth with that cat. Oh god, nightmare. I, I was, <laughs> well, for one thing, they, you know, I I, 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 I always pictured Sir. Cat, I should have been more specific in the script. I pictured him as a kitten. I pictured him as a little kitten, and they cast the sumo wrestler cat <laughs> that then couldn't, you know, couldn't hit its mark. What, is, what does that mean, though? Just had trouble jumping on the bed? Is that what it was? Yeah, in that it wouldn't. Yeah, you got to use <laughs> treats. I'm telling you. Oh, we, oh, yeah, they use treats. They tried everything. Fish yeah. base, chicken base, and the base. cat was scared of the candles that were there by the bed it was just a, oh man but but you know as a device in terms of the scene breaking the tension uh yeah he was Absolutely. great he, he broke he broke the tension and it was a way for them to start talking about joffrey it was a way to sort of visually uh drive home uh Tommen's innocence and so he you know it was it was i was glad to get him in there uh because i knew you know, fans would enjoy it, but he, but the real, the, the main reason he was in there was because he served the scene. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it would he would get the kind of response he got, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm constantly surprised by the fandom of the show. Oh yeah, it's just a good thing that Marjorie didn't do what Olena had told her that she did to throw a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, which also was was just a hilarious scene. It was brilliant. I, I think in in really the it's humor for her. well and again I think that was that's something that's a nugget from the book that I just took and and and, and expanded you know mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it fit very well yeah Elena in the book does makes a sort of throwaway comment at one point about being engaged to our to our Targaryen but she got out of it and so right. I just you know took that nugget that George provided and 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 and, and built it. That actually um, ties in really well uh, to another question we got from WinnersComing.net. It's from Dragon Reborn, mm-hmm. and it says Flying. episodes of Game of Thrones are like movies uh, with their own theme, uh, repeating and reflecting through various characters. Besides obvious references to the titles, there are crazy details, most, most of which we fail to notice. <laughs> How can they achieve this with so many characters and storylines? And you know, what this immediately made me think of was in the middle of sucking face, uh, batshit crazy Lysa Aaron, ah. you know, brings up the fact, yeah, I killed John Aaron. And uh. <laughs> yeah, I told my sister it was the Lannisters who did it. And it's such a, we talked about this. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, how it's such a big revelation because it really showcases how Baelish was responsible for putting most of the series into motion. Oh, yeah. And yet. It's just kind of a minor detail that's it's there if you're paying attention, but it didn't necessarily blow up like something along the lines of Joffrey dying. Yeah, I think that was sort of on purpose. It was kind of in terms of the in terms of where it where they where it was uh, presented in the episode, and it was it was almost thrown away. But that was kind of the point was that. It, in, in a way, it's all the more shocking. It's revealed a little differently in, in the books. It, it's revealed in a scene that hasn't aired yet, so I don't want to talk about it. But um, the idea in this scene was sort of that Elisa was kind of getting off on talking about their crime together. It's almost um, mm-hmm. it was almost a riff on one of those scenes in in in, in, in an old film noir like like Double Indemnity or something, where you know it's you and me, babe, all the way. We. <laughs> We, you know, come over here. We killed him when we got the money, and now we're going to You've South America. You know what I mean? Long. Like, yes, and that's yes, what it perfect. is. That's what it was meant to be. Uh, and and Kate Garley got that. I remember Michelle McLaren and I were kind of on set, kind of talking about that that dynamic when they were, and that she's she's sort of getting off on on saying it out loud. You know, the danger of that, and of course, all Peter is thinking is stop talking, 
stop saying it out loud. <laughs> no, please shut up. All right, I better fucking kiss her. You know, I know. I love how he didn't kiss her. He was like, yeah. not affectionate at all. But she starts yeah. talking about the crimes that they committed together, yeah. and he, he has to shut her up. Yeah, that was a fun. Uh, that was a fun thing to. And then, as you as as you say, if if the minute you stop to think about it, you go, oh my god, that that they, they did it. They started this whole thing, the entire story. It's all them. And he's been, you know, the puppet master this whole time. Mm-hmm. That's that was the big shock that I think shook. I know Eric and I because we're behind the book readers know this and they've known this since the beginning of not only the series but since we've done this podcast. And I just feel sure. like the the weight has sort of been lifted. We we have a person to kind of point at when it comes to a lot of different things. But now I'm just feeling so much dread because I know that he is capable of so much more. Brian, you mentioned earlier you you were talking about the scene between. Tommen and Marjorie, and I wanted to ask, uh, you, you, you expressed a certain amount of your own dread about writing that episode. Like, oh, oh. how is this going to go? Yeah. I was wondering, is there a particular scene that stands out for you in your memory as, as being extraordinarily difficult to write? Oh, yeah. Well, it was that Craster's Keep section in, 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 in four. Oh, okay. Without question. Um, it, you know, it just because of the, uh, the, the sheer, de- yeah. The, yeah, there's the depravity. sheer depravity of it. Exactly. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just ugly and it's meant to be. Well, I was going to ask you what the atmosphere is like when you guys are filming those scenes. What's it like on set? Well, it was, it was, it was rough. I mean, it was, it was that whole Craster's section between over episodes four and five was, uh, I want to say almost close to three weeks of night shoots, um, out there in muddy crest, just mud pit that is the Craster's keep set yeah i mean it's just it's 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 very grim and you want to make sure the actresses and the and a lot of those were background extras that um you know were cast locally who who really were just phenomenal and threw themselves into it and really went there and mm-hmm. um with not only the the sexual assault but just the sort of psychological trauma and all of the gift to the gods and they really mm-hmm. uh really worked very hard and 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 and, and i I think did exceptional work, but you know, it's, you stage a scene like that and it's a very technical, you have to, <clears throat> you know, just make sure everyone's feeling safe and knows exactly what's going on. And right. yeah, sandwiches over here. If you get hungry. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, it's, right. it's, there's just a lot to it. And, and, um, you know, and, and burn had, Burn Gorman had this you know, huge two page monologue and, and which was awesome. Which, I mean, yeah, and he was amazing. Yeah. He's an amazing actor and, and, and very good and a very nice, very nice guy. <laughs> Luke as well. Despite what you may think. All the worst ones them. are. All the worst. No, and Luke, you know, Luke hated having to do that stuff. I mean, he because he's a sweet guy and, and then the stuff with the baby. So it, you know, it's a really right. just dark, awful thing. But it, so shooting it was not fun. Now, thankfully, Michelle McLaren is an amazing professional, and as we all are, I hope to think. So, uh, you know, we got through it, but I remember, you know, in between takes, we'd sort of look at each other and be like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's burn this place down when we're done. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was ready. Oh man, listen, I was ready to light the match. I mean, that, it, and that's, that's just, a, it's just a hard set to shoot on. It's an amazing set, but it's very cramped inside there and it gets very hot with all the lights. And then, so it's, it's, I can't imagine. It's a, I mean, a kitten. <laughs> Kitten Burns fight in episode five. I mean, Kit has said that it's the hardest fight he's ever had to do in his career because really? it's a very, very cramped space. And he's got that big broadsword. And it was a technically very challenging fight because of the knives and all of that. And, 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 you know, it was, it was a, it was a tough one to shoot. And it was shot, I think, I 
think it was only shot in a day. Wow. So, um, you know, we don't have much time to do this stuff. So, but it, writing it, writing that sequence, that Craster sequence was difficult too. It was, it originally, in the original outline in the first draft, it actually opened the episode, which we realized once we read the script, that, that was an enormous mistake because it was so grim and featured characters we didn't really know very well that to start the episode with that would just, you know, I think be death. Right. The guys, the guys wisely asked that maybe I put it at the end and put Danny at the beginning. And that was, you know. Well, that, that, that worked right. for us, I think I remember, because, I mean, the previous episode ended with Danny, so it was nice yeah. to open. Uh, yeah, and you want to pay off that, that fleeing of the collars. I think you want to pay that off right away. But, but with, uh, with Carl, we were just talking about a minute ago, um, I think it's important for the show to have these villains that, I mean, they die horrible deaths. They're, they're, they're evil on screen. It's important to see them doing bad things, but then they die. It was that way with Carl. It was that way with Locke. I mean, we have so many kind of guys we care about that are dying on the show, you know, from mm-hmm. time to time that it's, occasionally very nice to get this juicy death of somebody that we hate. Yeah, five gave us three, you know, three good deaths with Rast and, and Locke and uh, and Carl. And and yeah, you know, I mean, it, it was a lot of a lot of plot lines and themes and teeing up for the future and paying off the past that we were kind of uh, going for with that whole kind of northern um, mini mini plot that went over four and five um and it was it was logistically pretty tough but but i think i think it ended up being okay it felt great i thought that it it fits so well and how dynamic carl's character began to feel i just remember people saying who the who the fuck is carl tanner and then it's just Mm -hmm. like well he's he's this guy that's doing this at craster's keep right now and then we got to sort of visit with him those few episodes yeah you need an actor with that kind of memorable gravitas gravitas like burn to pull it off because it was a a short a short arc and it kind of needed to be i think any longer with those guys and you just want to slit your wrists watching it so. <laughs> yeah. well i think we yes. can say confidently that he will actually go down as a legend now yeah well I it was incredible. not just of yeah. uh gin gin alley either well yeah yeah, yeah. He, he made his mark he made his mark and a mark was made on him yeah and a mark was yes, yes through him through him through a permanent him. one yeah. yes you mentioned uh payoffs uh but i really feel that this season is a lot about that but also about things coming from full circle you know we mm. Absolutely. Talked about the White Walkers a little bit and going back to episode one of the season. Also, John Aaron going all the way back to episode one of the first season. You know, do you, do you get that sense too in, in having written, you know, these two episodes that a lot of season four is about tying up some loose ends that maybe have been lingering for a long time? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a reflection of, 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 of the book series. I think a storm of swords. You know, if you, if you look at kind of the life of the book series, I think Storm of Swords in many ways is kind of, you know, yeah, you're paying off plot lines and, and, and sort of seeds that are plant, that were planted as early as, as you say, as episode one. And not just plot stuff, but even, uh, character stuff, like with the Arya and the Hound. You know, there's, there's sort of the two of them and their journey together and what they're learning from each other and how they're so kind good. of bumping up against each other. Yeah, I love it. And it's all character. It's really not plot driven at all. It's, 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 it's just sort of living with the two of them and seeing, you know, what their shared experience and how that affects them. But it's also a way for the two of them to reflect on their journey thus far. And, and so as an audience to sort of reflect on their, on the audience's journey thus far with these characters, um, Littlefinger and Sansa are, are similar as well. You know, I think it's kind of these twisted mentor protege relationships that yes. are, um, th- with the Stark girls and these guys that are, that are really starting to bear fruit now. Um, so yeah, that, that's something, that's certainly an element of season four. The trial is another one. I mean, you're seeing Tyrion's whole life kind of being 
thrown back at him in yeah. that trial. Um, <laughs> and not just that, not just the stuff that we as an audience have witnessed with the testimony, but under the surface, and I've talked about this in a few of the interviews, so apologies for anyone listening who's heard me say this 15 <laughs> times, but, but it was very important that that scene be about the Lannister family history and the legacy of the Lannisters and the kind of life that the three Lannister siblings had with Tywin. And all of that is happening under the surface in, and being reflected in the looks of between the four act, you know, characters, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially another scene altogether without dialogue. It's happening concurrently with the trial scene. You know, I, I noticed that on a rewatch that they're, oh, they're, yeah. their looks really are telling with each no, other. It's its own, it's a, yeah, it's its own thing. And Alec Sakharov was very conscious of that when, when we were shooting it. And it's, it's very satisfying to me when I watch it. Cause that was definitely what we wanted, you know, to get out of, get out of it when, when we wrote it. I'm guessing that the, the, that sort of, cannibalization of the Lannister family that's going on in this in this particular scene is the reason why the reigns of Castamere was chosen oh, to no. to round out the episode? No question. I mean it's a it's 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 yeah, it's a Lannister family <laughs> episode. I mean I mean it's the first episode without any Starks. I mean it's really kind of uh, Which blew our minds, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's something I, I didn't even realize that until we finished shooting it. I thought, oh my God, there's no Starks in this episode. <laughs> um, right, yeah. and, and it but it really you know, George kind of does something tricky with you when you're reading these books. He makes the villains, the villain family, the protagonists of the of the story without you even knowing <laughs> it. And they are. I mean, by at this it's point, they, they are the central family of the story. And, you know, and Tyrion, Cersei, and Jaime are the protagonists. That doesn't mean they're heroes, but they are the protagonists. I know that we spent the better part of Monday's episode just speaking about the trial because there was so much inside of it and there was so much weight obviously put on this pivot right toward the end of the episode. And I've yeah, seen sure. around, around the web, people are just so disappointed that they felt like it ended early. And that's a good sign because there's so much left to desire after that final yeah. shot, not only of Tyrion, but the shot of Tywin oh. and Charles Dance's portrayal of Tywin finally being like, Oh, oh this is a move the, I didn't the, expect. The rage behind, yeah, the rage behind his eyes that his plots have been, he's not used to having his plots foiled. And, right. uh, and to have it done by him, of all in people. In front of gods and men, right in there. Front of, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, I, I you know, it, it was very, I mean, that's the last, the last two lines of the, of the script, or, you know, uh, Tyrion and Tywin face off, and, and Alec beautifully, uh, you know, portrayed that. And yeah, I think it's, it's that. It's, it's, um, and it's a lean episode. I mean, it, it is. It's, I think it's one of the shortest episodes we've ever done. A lot of people are saying this is their favorite episode they've ever seen so far. Wow, that's that's very nice to hear. I mean, I I, I, I love it as well. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's, it's, uh... well, I, I have to ask Brian. You you called it a lean episode. Was the mm. siege of the Dreadfort initially like any longer? Was there any more to that in the script? Or it was, yeah, it was a little longer. It was it was definitely. Uh, Definitely leaner in the edit, which isn't really my department. I'm not really involved that much in post, but um, although it was always kind of meant to be a, a rather abrupt sequence, it, it, it was sort of meant to, to kind of throw you. You think it's going to be this big triumphant. You think what Yara thinks. You think it's going to be a yeah, a, a, right. And that's a payoff to what she said seasons ago or last season. You know, she's like, "I'm going to take I'm gonna do of it, our yeah. best killers." You know, yeah. No, it's 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 a it's meant to sort of take the wind out of her sails. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> that was, that was a joke. But, but it is. I mean, it's the idea that she's, it's sort of what we talked about a second ago with Tywin, that she's not used to losing. She's never lost in her life. She's, and she's always been a, 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 a sort of classic ironborn warrior. And she, what she did 
in in deciding in defying her father and deciding to go for Theon is surrender to a kind of sentimentality or loyalty or love to her that she didn't know she had for her brother that and 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 it it backfired and now she has to live with the consequences of a softening <laughs> enough, yeah and b and b when faced with this botched thing and 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 faced with the choice instead of choosing to die there she chooses to to run because she doesn't want to you know she doesn't want to die in that kennel which she would mm-hmm. um it's not just about the dogs the dogs are more of a symbol of what ramsey's gonna do she, she's she's not leaving that castle alive unless he lets her and i think he does let her i think he's yeah. sending a message yeah, i mean he, t- he took on five guys bare-chested i mean come yeah, on yeah, yeah he's crazy yeah he's crazy. he's crazy it reminded me of when he he let the the girl go through run through the woods and he was hunting her that's and that's what it is and it's also and it's also the sending of the of the of the chopped off member to to bail on last season it's he wants her to make the choice to run and she does because yes. she realizes she's like i could i could die here with this thing that was my brother or i could go and you know I, i'm now the heir i really she sees in front of her what her father already knew that she's the le- she's the only one left she's yeah. the heir now but that said ironborn are not uh that, that you know cutting and running like that is not uh necessarily an admirable trait uh in an ironborn warrior and a leader of men and she's gonna have to you know live with that and deal with that so yeah. That was the idea behind it, um, and and you know the the abruptness and the everything going wrong really fast was very much on on purpose, and also the kind of claustrophobia of that little fight scene in that in oh, that oh, space. Yeah. Uh, the original script called for a kind of more expansive fight in a courtyard, and that's one of the cases of you know budget kind of dictating and and location and kind of dictating the rewrite of the scene, but I think it ended up working really well. Sure. It was I, very intense. Yeah. I yeah. think you can very much see that it's really Ramsey's whole game here. He's being rewarded by finding out that Reek is really truly his. Oh yeah. Loyalty. Oh yeah. Now, I mean, that's, that's a secondary result of that. I mean, Yara, obviously she sees him. She takes one look at, at Theon and with him shouting, you know, you can't trick me and, and I'm not going and I want to stay. Mm-hmm. She, she knows that that's not her brother. And when she says, you know, my brother, Brother's dead. It's, yeah. it's just very like I don't blame her for leaving because yeah. Reek is that far in, and the fact that it serves to show Ramsay that he's got a loyal, uh, you know, pet now just more than ever is scary. Yeah, absolutely. And then it fall, and then it's of course followed up with that with that bath scene. This is the this is the next phase in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, bath time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and- speaking of speaking of bath scenes, uh, I, I wanted to ask. How do you determine in your episodes which characters get baths? Are taking baths? Uh, seems to be Isn't that funny. The dirtiest, I, your, your the dirtiest ones, egg. obviously. I yeah. don't. I, I I've somehow become the bath episode. Right? It's a. I just, it's a total coincidence. Just blame it you on gotta Ryan. Got to sneak a, a rubber duck in there at some. Yeah, point. Ryan. That's like, Ryan's fault. Because he yeah. never bathes. He's just like duck. wish fulfillment after he's writing the scripts. Exactly. I guess on a on a more serious note, or or more serious type of question, you know, these episodes are at times so dark and you get these moments of comedy and, and obviously I'm not talking about the Reek Ramsey scene. I'm talking more about <laughs> the Davos solid or sound scene. Oh yeah. And it was no, just any, awesome anytime, to watch. Anytime you can bring in some, some humor into this thing, you have to, uh, I mean, uh, and Oberyn is a great, you know, kind of vehicle for that as well. But, um, yeah, we, we love Lucian and we love the, uh, the chemistry that he has with, with, um, Liam and we knew we kind of wanted to visually, you know, to dramatically show the result of the Iron Bank scene as opposed to, you know, the Iron Bank just saying, you've convinced us that Davos will make you a provisionary loan. Right. Uh, it's more fun to then, you know, show him actually putting some of that money to use. And we yeah. figured, well, if we're going to show him putting that money to use, we should show 
a character that the audience has some investment in and it just sort of grew from there. And, and then we, and then it, it be, you know, and the scene was, okay, well, where does he find Davos or Saladar? Well, he's, he's finally enjoying some R and R. It's relaxing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. And it's just sort of, you know, okay, well, R and R, well, he's, he's, he's in a, in a tavern, he's in a brothel. Oh, well, you know, you, nothing is more relaxing than, than having a bath. So it became, you know, after Blackwater, I think a few of us would probably choose to take a bath. As yeah. Well. And that was the idea is like, he's in the most comfortable place he could be. Everything's finally going his way. He's, you know, he's getting some, he's enjoying some time off and, and here comes Davos. And that scene, Liam's happy was just absolutely just beaming and i thought that was a great representation of what happened and it ended up happening yeah. at the bank because he was so happy yeah i mean liam, liam is is wonderful and he, he he brings there's so much warmth that he brings to davos and i mean I, my other favorite scenes are the ones he he shares with uh, with shireen he's just a he's he's a character one of the few characters in this thing that is, is a truly honorable and uh whether or not you agree with the character he's backing he backs him 100 percent, and yeah um yeah. and yeah that bank scene was a lot of fun i mean again it's all it comes it all comes back to george like you know no one else would think to explore the financial uh background of these things but you know i mean <laughs> right but it's rooted in history and you know wars are expensive wars are right. paid for and and and, and, have, yes. and and the iron bank is such an inspired creation and we just wanted to bring it forward uh you book readers will know that that Tycho Nestoris and the Iron Bank representatives don't appear until much later in the saga. But we, again, we felt, you know, we're in season four. We've been teasing the Iron Bank ever since, I think, episode three of season one. So, um, right. it got to mention in pretty much every episode this season, I think. Well, we really start. Yeah. I mean, that was very much on purpose. We, we, we amped, <laughs> we amped up the casual mentions yeah, of the bank yeah, yeah. a bit so more. I was definitely to, expecting it to really set up that, that, that scene. But, but, you know, the, the bank has come up. I think Littlefinger first brings it up in the first small council scene that the crown is in debt. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, we just figured this was the right time and, and, uh, and it would be a, a juicy dramatic scene to show, you know, one of the proudest characters in, in the show having to you know, appear hat in hand on someone else's turf. And that is big. That is, that is, yeah. one, and for him it's to be, for him to be it turned works. away yeah. as well at first and not have any, yeah. really anything to say for himself, he doesn't know how to proceed. And then Davos, who just loves him, shows them yeah. the hand, you know. <laughs> well, it shows times. him, it's, you know, it's, it's an illustration of, of, you know, why he needs Davos, why he keeps him around, you know, and, 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 and the, you know, these sort of two, uh, these two forces in Stannis's life, Melisandre and Davos, and then they both bring very different uh, points of view to the situation. And... That reminds me. I want to ask Melisandre. You just mentioned, like, well, is his religion? Do you think Stannis's religion is is or would be an issue of contention for the bank? Or I mean, is that something that that paints him kind of negatively as a character because he's he's going off sort of on this religious quest as opposed to. His, his birthright or what do you think about that? Maybe. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I certainly the bank would have gotten wind of the fact that, uh, that Stannis has, has Beach fallen in, fallen in with this, with this red priestess. Um, and you know, there's a, there's, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it would necessarily, yeah, it probably didn't help. I mean, in the, in the end there, <laughs> but in the end, but in the end, they just, they, they, they're, they're looking at the numbers as they say. And what's kind of right. fun about the scene is that brought, is that Davos, Davos manages to convince them. He, man, he manages to, to sort of bring them around a bit with something other than numbers, which is kind of, I mean, in a way, yeah. it is because he talks about their relative age, but he, you know, his his powers of persuasion go a little bit beyond that. And it's also important to note, and, and this is implied a bit, but it's it's perhaps not totally clear. 
the bank isn't is not now abandoning the crown and f- you know throwing in with Stannis. I think it was a <laughs> right. I think it was a provisional loan. I think it was okay. Well, here's 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 half of what you might have wanted. See what right. you can do with that, and we'll talk. Feed your men for crying you know, out loud. <laughs> um, and and there might be more where that came from if you show results. But you know they're not gonna they're not gonna put all their eggs into into Stannis's basket. Now. It definitely looked like Davos would have been swimming home though if he wasn't able to <laughs> do a little bit of convincing. Perhaps. I mean, I think there's that, there's that, yeah, there's that look, that great look that Stephen gives him, like, okay, thanks for bringing me here. Yeah. <laughs> we um, sailed this entire way for this. They don't even need this table. We're not using it. Well, oh yeah, that was, yeah, I love that touch. That was an idea of David and Dan's, this idea of this, this table that exists purely for intimidation. There's nothing on it. There's, you know. <laughs> that was what's heroic in this scene, though. It honestly felt like watching yeah. Don Draper trying to win back Big Tobacco. You just... <laughs> He sold it, and it's just, it was... That is a very Mad Men scene, isn't it? Yeah, it was masterful. It's like, he didn't necessarily have crazy, dramatic stories about his childhood, but he did have those fingers to pull out, and and that won some, Uh, you know, that that won a few votes. He was like, look at this. absolutely. It was beautiful. Yeah, I like that scene. I did want to ask, though, what was it like introducing Bravos? I mean, this is a a place that's been talked about all the way back in season one Mm -hmm. with Arya, with Sirio, uh, with Jack and Hygar. You know, it kind of has spanned all these seasons, and now you, you get the opportunity to introduce it to everybody. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, we wrote, you know, we wrote the the Iron Bank scene, and I, I honestly didn't think that establishing shot was going to make it past the edit. I thought, well, I'll write, I'll write a scene of them sailing in, but I bet it, it'll be an easy one to cut because oh, it's not essential, and and you know, maybe they'll want to save that for some other time. And I just, I figured it wouldn't happen. And then, to my delight, they kept it in and kept surviving the drafts and. And it's fairly a fairly simple stage direction in my script. It's really just you know they're on the boat, they sail beneath the great Titan, and I mean I it's not much. And then they just in that shot, I mean, yeah, I, I blew my mind. I, yeah. I we screened the episodes at a friend of mine's screening room, and and so I got to watch it on a big screen, and I just and I hadn't really seen it up. I'd seen bits of it in the commercials, but in the trailers, but oh man, I mean it just it just it just. Uh, Blew my mind, but I really I can't take too much credit for that because a lot of that was just our amazing visual effects department. And uh, but I, you know, yeah, I was I was happy to happy to get you know first crack at at, uh, at that part of the world for sure. I think that that establishing shot was so essential. Yeah. Oh no, you look at it now, so and it's essential. and you know a funny thing, and it, it wasn't originally the first scene of the episode. Originally, the first scene of the episode was um, uh, the dragon. And the whole Danny. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Which was great, but oh, yeah. I assume I think I assume once that establishing shot was finished, it was decided in post. Oh, there's no way we we have to open the episode. With this. <laughs> you know, and it was the right choice. I know it's TV, and I know that you know, like you said, a shot like that can necessarily okay. Well, this is something we can trim if we need to trim it. But those kinds of moves are sort of a Game of Thrones signature, where mm. the extra care is being put into it. For the sake of everything just being good and just being better. It's just better that way. Oh, well, yeah, I agree. And thankfully, you know, a few more seasons, a few seasons in, we, we have more resources to be able to afford those kinds of shots that we certain, you know, we would, we would have been less likely to afford in season one. So. Oh, yeah, but Bravos is totally amazing. And I wanted to point mm. out, even during the opening credits, um, you know, when they, we first see Bravos, it's actually, I don't know if you guys noticed this, there are coins like running yeah, there are coins running down like, yeah. the structure to like, and they land in a pot that's like a piggy bank. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like a, it's like one of those, um, you know, like, uh, science experiments you see in yeah, the Yeah. Like a yeah. gumball machine or a Goldberg. Experiment. Yeah. That was a neat touch. I, I, yeah, I enjoyed that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bravos is again, one of George's 
most inspired creations as a as a place, uh, and, and the history of it is fascinating. And as you say, it's been part of the fabric of the show since the beginning with Sirio uh, Pharrell. So um, yeah, it was fun to it was fun to kind of open up that corner of the world. So in your season, in your episode last season, uh, Kiss by Fire, we had the Jamie and Brienne. Uh, bath scene, but the great, great scene between the two of them. And I wanted to mention in Oathkeeper, uh, when Jamie gives Brienne the sword and the armor and Podrick, oh, yeah. um, which, which do you, which of those gifts do you think is the best, by the way? This is my question, but what do you think is, uh, is the best gift? Oh, well, I mean, if you've met Daniel Portman, you know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, certainly the, um, I think it's undeniable the power of, uh, Ned Stark's essentially Ned Stark's sword being used to, uh, to hopefully find and defend Ned Stark's daughter. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, coming from the man that pushed Ned Stark's son out a window. Um, yeah, it's a very, it's a very charged thing (laughs) for many reasons. And, uh, and the relationship that Jamie has with his father and, and all of it. I mean, there's so much kind of swimming in, in that exchange and in that gift and, and not to mention the shared history between Brienne and, and, and Jamie. So um, that was a joy to write. I was uh, very lucky in that, as you say, I, I, I had the pleasure of um, scripting arguably their, their most uh, important scene before the bear rescue. And uh, so to get, to get to kind of pay off their, their storyline um, mm-hmm. and, and uh, send her and separate the two of them and send her on her, on her new journey was, was really uh, a privilege and and I and Nikolai and Gwen are, are good friends and I'm very close to both of them and I you know worked very closely with them on on the scenes in the previous season so it was it was it was just nice personally to be able to 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 write that but I wasn't on set <clears throat> I wasn't on set for that final goodbye scene because it was shot in Croatia and I was covering I was covering Belfast so um uh, I was very nervous because I mean I knew Michelle and the actors would be great but i i just it was it was a very important scene to me as a writer so i wished i wished i could have been on set right um but but then i saw it and, and i was just you know i was a, a blubbering baby uh, <laughs> well thanks for putting that grin in that podrick oh yeah i mean that was a michelle touch i oh, i I, I, mean, michelle, I, yeah. I mean i did write the smash cut to podrick but that grin was <laughs> i mean just amazing that sort of became that that little mini jamie arc sort of became the spine of the episode um you know your question or the viewer's question earlier about each episode sort of sharing, playing with common themes. That's great when that happens. It's, it's, it's often by happy accident in a in funny way. I mean, we, we, we lay out the season more in terms of kind of where the characters need to be when, and it's more of a puzzle. And then as the scripts are written, those themes sort of emerge and you realize, Oh, this, this is that. And that is that, you know, that, that, and then a lot of that also comes in the edit. Um, so, you know, when the episodes can kind of, work on their own and make their own kind of statement. That's, that's very, very gratifying. It, it, it isn't always possible due to the nature of our show, but, um, but I felt like that episode, that episode did. I was very happy with it for that reason. So on, on the last, um, game of owns that you were on, uh, which was episode 92, you mentioned, uh, you said you liked for writing for Jamie the most, um, and you did say you enjoyed Alfie, but you said you found writing for Danny difficult. I want to know yeah. a, se- a season later has that improved at all? Or like writing for Danny, or are there any other characters that that? Yeah, Danny has. Uh, I mean, improved maybe is the wrong word, but I, I, I now that her story is sort of taking a different turn and it's becoming a little more um, uh, pol- political and a little more of examination of, of this idea of, of of what it takes to be a ruler and and 
her being a, a sort of alien in this new culture. Those themes have been were very interesting to play with, and I had the chance to sort of kickstart that with the with the audience chamber scene and and his daughter coming and and, and arguing for his father's uh, proper burial and all of that, which is kind of a riff on a similar scene in Antigone. So I, uh, oh, that's um, a callback. You know, play, playing with those kind of classic themes. Um, I had a lot of fun writing that. And, you know, Amelia, I mean, there's, it's, it's always wonderful writing for her. It's, it's, it's more that the storyline before was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I had trouble finding her voice uh, maybe at, at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed writing, writing, uh, writing that scene. Yeah. And, 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 he, and just, you know, characters facing kind of hard choices. That's always the stuff that's, that's kind of most delicious and, you know, in season three, and it was, this is very much the point of season three for Danny was that she was resolute, you know, um, and, and very firm in her convictions. And, and that was absolutely the idea because she had to be the conqueror and be the leader that these people can get behind. Um, that said, it's more interesting for me as a writer to kick her off her pedestal and make her question her choices and, 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 and put her in a vulnerable place. Exactly. No, I thought it was, I thought it was played really, really well. And it was written really well in the scene. And you see that she's having to peel back some of those layers and kind of rethink and maybe for once listen to her counsel. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, Barristan is a guy who has served many Kings before and, and he knows kind of when things can go wrong. I mean, he served her father. And so there's a lot behind that line about, you know, sometimes it's better to, Answer justice with mercy, you know, and and Ian uh, Ian McElhenney, who's a, a real student of the books, he's a big fan of the books, and he he's the kind of actor that can put that years of history behind just one reading of a line, and you get everything, you know, and, and the reaction he had when she made her decision. That's why we have the best cast on TV, is they can they can convey uh, you know forty years of a character's history in a look, you know, right, yeah. um, and that's uh, and you need that because we don't have a lot of time to go into the forty years of history. So. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, I remember, um, and we've talked about this, there was an interview that he did, um, it was leading up to the season, and I was just blown away by how much he knew, um, or, you know, intimated about what happens in the books, and just that... Yeah, and it varies from actor to actor, you know, some of them, it, 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 you know, different actors do what they need to do to for their process, you know, some want to know everything uh, about the books and about the character and about the world. And some of them really want to just take it script by script and be in more of a place where they're surprised and, and, uh, and, you know, know the essentials that they need to know, but, but really want to just treat it. I guess it's it's kind of the difference between a book reader viewer and a non-book reader viewer. Um, And it works, it works either way, you know, but it's, it's really just up to the individual actor. There's certainly, I don't think there's one that's better than the other. It's whatever gets the results that, uh, that we want. Well, it seems to be working. I I hope so. I think so. (laughs) You know, we did get a bunch of questions from social media. I know you saw, we, we asked uh, both on Twitter and on Facebook sort of uh, listeners and, and you are um, reachable again yet uh, on Twitter. Uh, Once again, you're back. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you're Yay. back currently when we were last on, but uh, but you was gone. gone. That was in my yeah. that was in my dark period. It's good. What to made have you come back? back? Right. Thanks. Uh, what made me, I, you know? I, it's funny. I just I woke up one day and said, "Yeah, I think I'll just go back on Twitter." I mean, it kind of happened <laughs> completely <laughs> randomly because uh, I really wasn't going to. And then one day, I just sort of woke up and thought, you know, 
I'll, I'll be okay. I need to and tell I just... people about community, okay? I... Well, that too. I was trying to save community, and it didn't happen. I actually heard that uh, uh, Ryan was impersonating you, yeah. and uh, that oh, led to you having bastard. to he would. come back. And, yeah. I, I thought I'd provoked his internet privileges. This is a cafe down the street. Your password yeah. <laughs> Evidently, he found a way around it. No, it was just one of those things where I, I did misengaging with the audience, and, and I, I, just develop, I think I just developed a thicker skin over the years in terms of the the nastier people and sure and and you know i i've really had a I, I, it's a lot of fun now and i've had a you know i've had a good time with it and if someone bugs me i either re, either shoot back a response to get them to stop and if they become more and more if they become really disrespectful i just block them but i i, I even try to not do that i mean i because you know that it's a public forum and people can say what they want but uh you know, obviously, the you know most people are looking for answers to questions that I simply can't give them. I mean, right. in that I can't like it's yeah. professionally <laughs> appropriate for me for, for me to yes. answer those questions. You know, I can't tell you what's going to happen next, and I can't tell you a lot of reasons for why we change things because there it's just not appropriate for me to do that. It's you know I'm not the showrunner, but I appreciate any I appreciate the fans. I don't I don't want to make that you know I want to make that clear. It's not that I. It's not that I don't understand those questions. It's just I really can't answer them. <laughs> I yeah no I I think right. I think we get that and yeah it's fun it's fun to engage it's and and you know I, I'm happy to you know promote the show there but but I, I I'm very glad I'm back I I didn't I did miss it yeah well uh, welcome back and uh, Brian is uh, b underscore Cogman on Twitter for everybody we're gonna give that's you me our Twitter a little later on but uh, we did get some <laughs> questions on Twitter. That I think we should read now. Yeah, I, I like this one that comes from uh, Manu. His name is actually Monuclear Bomb on Twitter, which I think is a pretty good <laughs> oh, yeah. handle. That's a good one. Yeah, it's pretty and good. he asks, what one character who has been cut and would have already appeared in the series? So he's, he's getting, <laughs> you know, not going down the spoiler route. Uh, do you miss the most? Uh, um, you know, it's again, it's not really a question I can answer because, you know, a character who hasn't appeared yet might still appear. Or, right. or I mean, you know, for instance, Jojen and Mira weren't in season two, but they appeared later. Um, yeah. So, or if, so I, I probably can't answer that because if I then mention a character didn't appear that I know is not going to appear. I've now confirmed that that character is not appearing. <laughs> Do you know what I'm it's saying? It's slippery so, slope. Yeah. yeah, it's it's something I'm afraid I cannot. Uh, I can't. I would have said Sir Pounce, but but I but I I write it that wrong. <laughs> Lady Whiskers. I miss Lady Whiskers. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Sir Pounce. Yeah. Lady Whiskers is Sir Pounce's other friend. Female counterpart. Yeah. I see. Boots and Lady Whiskers uh, have not yet appeared. I. And I, I, I don't. Oh, yeah, here we go. Breaking news. Breaking <laughs> news. More. For character reasons, they haven't appeared. They're done. not going to. You will not meet Lady Bring Whiskers. Bring back boots. Yeah, Bring it's not going to happen. Boots. So send in your hate mail now. Lady Whiskers is not going to be on Gosh. Game of Thrones. I miss Nymeria. Where is she at? Nymeria did appear on the show. <laughs> no, that's right. Does it not? I miss Serio Pharrell. We haven't ever, we've never watched this show. I want to know everything. Serio did appear on the show. Well, Serio, I'll tell you what happened to Serio. Serio died. He's did dead. he really? Can you confirm that? Because I've been holding out hope. Well, George has confirmed that. This is, oh, I know. But you, Brian, change it, man. Yeah. Bring him back. He was facing off, as, as the Hound said, he was facing off against yes. the King's Guard with a wooden sword. Oh, but we can't go by what the Hound says because Ramsey, in your episode, was shirtless. 
Didn't have any armor. Yeah, I. To be fair, I didn't write in the shirtless. Well, I did there you write go. The no armor. I, I did. I'm write so glad no you armor. did. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, he's he's I, he's dead. Brian, I wanted to mention uh, Hodor being uh, picked and prodded by the men. That was uh, I know that was mean, wasn't it? Yeah, we all had Sorry. an intake of breath and went oh yeah. Again, this is this is a cruel world, you know. No one is safe. Yeah, question from uh, Johan Spore, I think, on Twitter. Oh, I know Johan. Oh, you know Johan. Okay. I just uh, just remember that (laughs) handle. The question is, in Oathkeeper and uh, the Laws of Gods and Men, Brian has written two of the best scenes in the series. This is. uh, I knew I liked (laughs) Johan. Yeah, yeah. I told you. (laughs) I like him even better now. Uh, Jamie Brienne in uh in the first one and Tyrion's trial in the second so did he feel this is you did you feel that they would be excellent scenes already while at the writing stage <laughs> wow yes i knew they were brilliant <laughs> um, <laughs> ryan get out of here <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, was, yeah um people are gonna think i paid you to ask that question <laughs> no look i think everything's terrible as as i'm writing it i'm a huge self-loathing uh, neurotic critic of my own work um I mean, I you know, look. The trial is, I mean, it's there in the book as being awesome. So I figured if I didn't screw it up too much, it would it would it would work. Right. Um, and then, and really, the Jamie Brienne scene is sort of a combination of a few scenes, and, and, and both are examples of the spine being laid out by George and and then me tweaking it here and there. Um, but yeah, I was very happy with both of them. I, I you know for the reasons we talked about earlier, but I never know if they're going to be great until I see the final cut. You know, I mean, there's so many, there's so much that goes into making a, making a scene. And I try to do my best to, you know, I, the, the goal of any script is you, you get as much information on that page as possible. So that the rest of the artisans can, can do their work. Um, and, and then you stay, I, I'm on set with, with them as much as I can to make sure I can help in any way, but it's ultimately, you know, out of my hands once uh, once I send it in. How many times did you draft Tyrion's speech for this episode? I think there were three drafts. I think uh, I wrote the original version, and then I got a note to maybe add some more to it and make it even bigger, and I did. And then, and then I turned, I handed it in, and the guys did their pass, and they. They ended up cutting most of the new stuff and 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 keeping kind of the original version. Funny, there you, you know. go. <laughs> you know, and then that's typical. I mean, you know, you, you see what works. So you what proved doesn't. it was good. <laughs> Maybe I, I purposely wrote really bad new stuff so that they would. No, I, I playing the game. Do. I just I think there was a little more bile directed straight at his father about his childhood that I kind of added in, and it was probably ultimately decided that it just wasn't necessary. Um, um, but the, yeah, that speech, I mean, and, and, you know, I'd say I mean, a great deal of that speech is, is either verbatim from the book or, or a slight rewording of, of something in the book, uh, with a few additions, um, and subtractions, obviously. But, uh, the major adaptation choice of that, of that whole sequence had more to do with, um, the, the fact that the testimony mirrored the show as opposed to the books. And also we really tried to make it even more so than, than than the book version, that that almost all the testimony is essentially true. It's just the context that's damning, right? So that, and, and then of course the backroom deal with Jamie is an invention for the show that that never happens in the book, right? Yeah. And the idea that behind that was would be that we we show that Tyrion might have a chance of getting out of this, and he chooses to throw that away. I was excited for that. Yeah, no, it was a really that was a really wonderful that that backroom scene with him and Tywin was was. Uh, 
a very gratifying scene to write, and it turned out really well. It sheds a lot of light on Tywin's mastery. Oh, it does. And, and his, oh, it his does. Puppetry. Oh, he said he said done right away. <laughs> done. Oh yeah, no, he knows he know he knows his kids, and he knows how to play these situations, and and. You know, um, he had no way of knowing for sure if this situation would happen, but he obviously thought it might and was ready to, you know, uh, he, he, yeah, I mean, he, he has a contingency, he has a plan for any contingency except for there at the end, he didn't have a plan for that. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, and this is just a production tidbit, but originally it was scripted to be in Tywin's office, like so many of those Tywin scenes are, and Charles Dance just had had enough. He was like, if I have to do one more <laughs> scene behind this desk, <laughs> he said, why can't we just move it in here? And, 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 this room. This is fine. Move the shit out of here. We'll just yeah, like this. And, yeah. And, and the guys the guys were on another unit shooting another scene. And I remember we were calling him being like, you know, we, can we move it to this? And they, and they gave the okay. And I'm really glad they did. It visually is just, is it, as Charles quite rightly pointed out, it gives some visual variety to the yeah, no, that's great. To the thing. And it kind of it, it it's even more kind of chilling because he's sitting there in his little sunroom having his lunch. <laughs> he's like the judge that adjourns uh, so he can go have a sandwich. Well, that was the idea. I mean, it really was sort of the 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 kind of play on the whole. Uh, if Jamie is sort of taking on the role of counselor uh, to to Tyrion and, and Tywin as the judge, it was sort of meant to be kind of a. a classic backrooms chamber scene that you would see in those courtroom dramas. So that was that it was it was fun. It was fun to write and fun to shoot and they, you know, played it beautifully. But of course then uh when they when they come back from adjourning, um they get Shay's testimony and that throws I think everything everything off its axis. It throws Tyrion into his rant. It throws Tywin's plans out. Um we we got we got a quite and Jamie's too as well for for sort of the the whole and continuing the family name, everything gets ruined um, because of what Shay does to Tyrion. And we got a few questions about that. I have one from uh, my friend Andrew, and there's one on Facebook as well. I'm going to try and kind of combine the two, but uh, essentially because in the books, Shay is a point of view character who's, who exists like in Tyrion's perspective. Um, and in the show, we've, we've seen sort of more dimensions about, you know, how he has to let her go, uh, the, the effect that it has on him, um, you know, in, in doing so, but she appears, I guess, in the books being more one-sided as, as if she had always been fake, I guess, to him was, was one interpretation that I heard. Whereas now it seems like she's either scorned or has been coerced by Cersei or something. So how do you, how do you handle specifically Shay? Because she kind of threw a wrench in everybody's plans. And I'm just not sure what she was even doing there just because she undid Tywin's plans. So I'm like, would Tywin have ever really put her there? Like, what's going on here? It's just such a huge um, cog in, in in the whole machine here. I'm wondering, like, what was the process like adapting that from the book? And is it meant to raise, like, as many questions about was she coerced and, and who's, you know, really throwing this trial? Well, it's absolutely meant to raise those questions, which is why I probably shouldn't really answer them. Um, without question, the Shea-Tyrion relationship was altered pretty significantly for the purposes of the show and to being more of a, a real love story between the two of them. Uh, and and her backstory and her relationship with Sansa, all of that is, is markedly different than in the books. Mm -hmm. It was definitely meant to be a love story that we knew would build up to this moment of betrayal. Her motives and the exact circumstances of how she got there, I think it's better to leave that leave that vague. 
That said, I mean, you know, it's, it was made pretty clear that Cersei was the one preparing the witnesses, not Tywin. Tywin, Tywin wasn't lying when he said, I'm a judge and I'm going to have to be impartial. Right. So he, he wasn't preparing the case against him. Um, that was, that was Cersei. Okay. Um, now Tywin knew about her because the handmaiden, you know, reported right. to the two of them. Right, 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 right. So he certainly, you know, knew about it to a point. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a different, take on the on the character and on the relationship than in the book um, oh, but, and... but Tyrion's heartbroken we're heartbroken watching it yeah I was heartbroken yeah. because she was supposed to be on a boat I'm like what uh-huh. is what does that mean about what Bronn said and and what does it mean about well this and they go back and look at uh episode the beginning of episode three Tywin's first line is uh stop all the ships in the port yeah well there you, nobody there you go the capital. <laughs> yeah, nobody the capital there you go oh, so doesn't she know doesn't Shay know that he did what he did because he loves her and he wanted to keep her safe it'll be okay Eric. you know the the, 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 the the human heart and the complexities of uh, love is war I, you know it's 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 a tricky thing it's a tricky thing it's messy it's great it's Game of we Thrones. keep trying to tell him this he's it's not great like yeah, the characters on Game of Thrones it must be awesome to be you there's a good chance her <laughs> life was threatened Derek, I mean, uh, yeah, you gotta yeah. remember who you're dealing with. Here. Yeah, it's a, it's a mess. It's a, I mean, yeah, it, it is, it is, it is a joy for a writer because it's there's no easy out and there's no, you know, there are no white knights and I mean, I guess there are some pretty clear cut villains. I mean, Carl's a villain, <laughs> but um, but even Carl has his reasons for being there and there's a, a life story that got him to that place. I mean. You know, George's books, and I, I hope our show approaches all of these characters as human beings and, and, and not as archetypes. And, you know, that's, that can make for a very uncomfortable viewing and, and it, it causes a lot of debate and a lot of pretty heated debate about, you know, and, and, and people who are in very specific camps in terms of their favorite characters and, 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 and are, feel very personal about their favorite characters and how they're portrayed and how other people see them. And, and that's great. That's, that's, you know, I think you're telling a good story if that's the, if that's the conversation. If everyone feels the same way about every character in a story, uh, you know, it's might be entertaining and, it, but I, I don't think it's the kind that sticks with you right. or, or demands repeat viewings. Uh, and I, I think, you know, George's books and, and hopefully our adaptation of them, uh, it falls into the latter category. I guess wrapping up, you know, going off of what you just said, you know, clearly there's material that has been brought into this season um, that's new. Um, clearly there's material that's been brought in that's the book readers are aware of, but maybe didn't expect to see this soon. Mm-hmm. And and I know you have to be very careful how you answer this question, but sure, you know, knowing that we're moving into next season and knowing that a lot of or, or several character storylines have advanced significantly um, to where some readers are in the series. Um, you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Um, you know, I, I, we all know that you know a lot more than we do, but um, <laughs> you know what what are the some of those challenges like? I mean, and and do you think we will continue to see some new material? Um, you know, in next season that might be a little bit further along than where the books are. I mean, I can't really talk about, you know. <laughs> uh, you tried, Micah. I, 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 I tried. I tried. tried. No, that was a very thoughtfully Listeners, worded question. that was for you. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, no, I really obviously can't talk about season five, but, um, uh, you know, all the, the decisions that are made in terms of adaptation that David and Dan have to, you know, have to make, um, ultimately it has to be about, you know, what is the best way as they see it to tell the story in this medium. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what, that's what guides that. Um, so, 
yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, my, 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 again, as I've said, my job is to help them in any way I can realize that vision. And, uh, it's a huge saga and, and there's no sort of, there's no clear cut way to just transfer it to, to, to the screen. It's, uh, it takes a bit of, a bit of puzzle work and a bit of imagination and, and, uh, and a bit of killing, not really our babies. I guess they're torches babies, but um, you've adopted them. Oh, for killing a while. babies, probably killing Craster's babies. I was going to say killing babies is probably not the right uh, expression given our show. <laughs> but um, it's a challenge. It's always it's been a challenge ever since the beginning, and and and, and it, certainly as as the and I've said this before. I mean, as as the books expand, um, it becomes even more of a challenge. And how do how do we wrestle this thing into into the best television show that we can make? Um, right. You know, it's an ongoing thing, and it's, it's it's what keeps us up at night, and it does. You know? <laughs> and it certainly keeps David and Dan up more than me because they're you know they, 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 they I mean you have no I, I can't express enough to the listeners and to the fans just what a twenty four hour a day three sixty five a day a year job show running a show of this size you know what what, what that entails. I mean they don't there's no vacation for them like it is a you know, everyone says, why can't you make 10 episodes? Yeah, they can't. We can't. It's 10 episodes is it. You <laughs> couldn't make 11 because we, every single day is spent in making these 10 episodes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it really is, it really is, you know, they've dedicated their lives to it. And you keep adding more characters and more places. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can't add more episodes. You're going to go out of your mind. No, I, I mean, it, it's, it's physically not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a ten hour, a high quality ten hour movie every single year. Well, we try. I mean, it's shot that way. I mean, it's shot. You know, it's shot uh, out, completely out of sequence, like a ten hour movie. It's not shot like a TV show where you go episode by episode. And most shows are writing the show as they are right. shooting. Well, we can't. We can't do that. We have to have the entire thing written before we start pre production because it's, it's, it's. There's nothing. I mean, I, I I say this without any. There's nothing like this on television. There's no production like this on television. No one else is crazy enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just what it requires from everyone to to to, you know, get this thing off the ground is just just astonishing. And it's been it's been like grad school for me to to sort of to witness it. You know. Well, I know we're excited to see the rest of the season. We're at the Thank second you. half. We're just over the hump, yeah. and it's, it's it accelerates from here. I mean, these next. Uh, four episodes are are just a roller coaster. I mean, they really are. It's it's buckle up, people. It's, yeah, it's all kinds of crazy. You know, it really awesome. is. So, um, and I'm and I'm really excited for everyone to see them. Well, I think that well, we we should collectively take our breaths. <gasps> That's it. Thank you so much. Thank Brian. you, My Brian. Pleasure. That was I enjoyed I enjoyed talking. This was super cool. No, was... You're such a humble, awesome guy. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, I try. Yeah, I try. I mean, I look. I mean, I know. I. It's not lost on me that I <laughs> stumbled on the greatest gig in Hollywood, and I. I don't let myself forget that because it's you know it's it's very humbling to work on something this uh, this massive and this this of this quality. So I've, I'm afraid it's spoiled me for the rest of my career. It's <laughs> all just going to go downhill for me. Well, it's great that you're having fun with it. It seems like no, oh, yeah. No, I mean, if, if you don't, then you're a fucking asshole yeah, I mean, right exactly. <laughs> exactly no i said that i, I said to my friend round of applause bitching about my job just slap me across the face with a trout if you have one with you <laughs> there you go it's got to be um a pretty serious undertaking you know doing what you do i know you're as kate said you're very humble about it but uh you know you you really put out some some great work i enjoy watching it and i think i speak for everybody else here 
when I say that. I really appreciate that. Thank oh, you. Oh, 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 yeah. oh. Wait, Eric's got Kate, another question. Kate, 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 no, no, no. Can we no, 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 no. Kate, 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 Kate. She's here. Still, what? She's still here. What? Eric, Kate, yes. Tell, tell, oh, Brian yes. About, tell Brian about the coin. <laughs> oh. Tell Brian about Baelish and the coin while my, we're here. Yes. I have a theory that uh, Peter and Varys, uh, intentionally or not, I'm I'm going to assume intentionally, um, represent the two, the, the, the greeting, which is Bravosi, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the, the Valar Morghulis, all men must die, mm-hmm. and Valar Dohiris, all men must serve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Peter and Varys are, t- are the two sides of that coin. Um, Peter being Valar Morghulis and Varys being Valar Dohiris. I like They're that. All, mes- all men must serve. Actually, I really like that. Thank you. I, I really like that. I'm having lunch with George tomorrow. I'll, I'll ask him about that. I just throw I really am. Oh my gosh. I'm having lunch with him tomorrow. So I'll, I'll, throw that, I'll throw that one at him and see what he says. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. turning red. This is awesome. It's a very, it's a cool theory. I like that. I haven't heard that before. I'll, I will. I'll, I'll tell George about it tomorrow. There you go. Where, where are you guys going for lunch? <laughs> oh, right. Nice try. <laughs> well, no, no, no. By the time this gets out, you know, uh, your yeah. lunch will be over. I'm not saying yeah. a damn word. Yeah. Oh, Good call. Man. Good call. <laughs> Well, Brian, it was a pleasure having you on our listeners. Um, I'm sure sitting at home, gleefully smiling, and probably sad that the episode is coming to an end. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. And thanks again for the for the kind words. Well, from our hearts to yours, people listening at home, I guess we should say goodbye. So, uh, yeah, see ya. Goodbye. All right, see yours. Bye, Bye. everybody. <laughs> it's bath time. <laughs>